If I was needing to pick a favorite of Advent candles, probably the third candle in the Advent candle would not be my choice for favorite, uh, the joy candle. You know, hope, I love hope. Hope is a fantastic thing. Peace, wonderful. I love peace. Next week, love, love. I'm all about the love. I'm not a very joyful person in general. It's not my natural disposition. If you were to look at me, you would not go, wow, Rob is a joyful person. Probably because like, often when I think about joy, I think it correlates in some ways to happiness, even though it's not really the same thing. But I don't, generally don't have a disposition that would, people would go, wow, you are so joyful. You know who does have a position that's, a disposition that's really joyful? My dog. I have two dogs. This is one of my dogs. This is Chloe. Look how regal Chloe is. Chloe is a king shepherd. And Chloe is rather dumb, but beautiful and joy-filled. I also have a little tiny dog. And they're both just so joyful. Chloe is, is so joyful that she will just at 10 years old, she's about 10 and a half now, so she's, she's getting up there. She will just bound and like jump around for no good reason, but is just so joyful. But one of the challenges of having a dog who is large, she's over 100 pounds, and who's also getting older, is that her eyesight is starting to go. And so she doesn't always see the things that she's actually quite joyful about. So sometimes we'll be playing, and I'll throw something for her, and she'll look in the general direction for that thing, but not be able to find it. It's really quite sad. Sometimes she'll see things, or I think she's seeing things, but then walks right by it. Like she loves, or has loved, chasing squirrels. Not that long ago, we were in the backyard, and a squirrel fell from our tree about two feet away from her, and she barely moved. She heard it, but didn't really see what fell in front of her. Sometimes our eyesight goes as we get older, just like my joy-filled dog. But sometimes what we see isn't even just what we see with our eyes, but what we perceive with who we are. Sometimes in a world that doesn't seem very joyful at times, it's hard to even look for joy. Sometimes... We're so familiar with things, or we're so used to seeing things a certain way, we can't imagine them being any different. My dog, she will walk into walls. It's always been there, but she can't see it anymore. Sometimes we ourselves will walk into spiritual, emotional, even physical walls, because we're not really perceiving and seeing what's all around us. What is it that you might have lost sight of? What is it that maybe you're not seeing so well anymore? Maybe it's the reality of this time of year where everybody is so very busy. Maybe they're thinking about how do we have the best Christmas ever, that you're so busy, whether you're going shopping or you're cooking or you're just trying to plan outings or you're just busy because it's like the year end of work and everything's just so overwhelming that you lose sight of maybe what's all around you. Or what's important? What is it that you might not be seeing the way you thought you saw things before? Maybe it's even in your own relationships. Maybe it's your marriages, your kids, your friendships, your workplaces. Things just don't 
see, seem like they're the same thing that you saw before. Sometimes our experiences, our familiarity with things, or our overexposure to things changes what we see and how we see it. And as we think about this idea of joy, we also need to think about what it is that we see, what do we witness around us. Because Christmas is meant to be a time of joy, but joy isn't so much rooted in our happiness, but in something much greater. And it's something that we can see if we can train our eyes to see it and never lose sight of it. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Galatia, wrote in Galatians 4.4 that when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. In some translations, it'll say at just the right time, God sent his son to be born. At just the right moment, at just the right time, Jesus was born into the world. Let's think about that for a moment. There's something about the time that the first Christmas happened that was just the right time. But sometimes we're so familiar with this story of Christmas, we might not actually be seeing what it's really about or what's really happened in it. In Luke's gospel, he tells part of the story of that first Christmas. In Luke's gospel, he gives us a picture of what was going on at that time. So as Paul would say, at just the right time, Luke's going to show us this is the time. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it starts. the story starts with this. It says, in those days... Remember, it's just the right time. Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Again, we're maybe familiar with this. Maybe we've uh, seen Charlie Brown Christmas, and there's a story that comes up. Maybe you're familiar with this because you've been to church at Christmas. Maybe you've read your Gospels. You've been part of this year-long Bible reading thing. Maybe you just know this story so well that you know what comes next. Or maybe you're not familiar with it. Maybe it's newer to you. And maybe you just know what that scene might look like based on what used to be under your Christmas tree, like a manger scene. But at just this right time, at this moment... Luke's telling us Caesar Augustus was governor. Now, Caesar Augustus uh, was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. Caesar Augustus was the one who claimed the empire as his own. In fact, there wasn't a Roman empire before him. It was not an empire at all. It was a republic of Rome. And he was able to bring his peace, we talked about this last week, the Pax Romana, his power to push people down so much that he claimed the empire for himself. Now, he was, like I said, adopted. Julius Caesar didn't have a son of his own, and so part of the understanding of that time is that if you were to pass your royalty, your lineage on, it had to be to a boy. And so he adopted his nephew. And as an adopted child, he had all the rights to claim as someone born naturally. So Caesar Augustus 
became emperor. He ruled. It was in this time, and we don't know a lot of the specifics of this time. There's still a lot of gaps that we're trying to figure out. But in this world, this is what's happening. So it's in this world where Caesar Augustus has used his power to create this Pax Romana, this Roman peace, which is really about pushing down people so they don't revolt against you. Really about oppressing people so they don't have the urge to do anything against you. And he's created this space, and in this time, people, we're told, are not living where their families always lived. The reality is that likely what was happening was that they couldn't afford their family homes anymore. For some of us, this sounds a little familiar to right now. That as inflation, interest rates, they all grow, you're trying to wonder, what do I do with this? But in their world, likely what was happening was they were being taxed so much they couldn't afford to stay on the land that their family had owned for generations. And so they moved elsewhere. They moved elsewhere to find opportunities, moved elsewhere to kind of maybe even escape what they owed. And Joseph was part of this group of people. But when there was a census to be taken, they had to go back to where their family was from. So Joseph is going to go there. And this is what the text tells us. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So we've seen this picture before. You know, maybe Mary's on a donkey because Joseph is such a gentleman. You know, he didn't want her to walk all that way. Personally, I've never been pregnant. That's it's not never going to happen. So I don't know how horrible it would be to be walking a significant distance for that time. But they had to go. They had to travel. They had to go from where they were residing to his hometown. And they didn't drive. There was no cars. There's no planes. There's no public transit. They walk. Maybe they have animals that help them. We don't know those details. All we know is that Joseph was not in his family home. And he's told he has to go back to it. And the woman he's pledged to be married to, and he's tech, we talked about this last week, if you were here, if you listened online, he was actually married to Mary. They had to go together. Because now she's part of that family. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave him... She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, cloths, and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, some translations will say in. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, history and memory around this, this verse, and we think, well, this is like what it looks like. It's that perfect manger scene. You know, they're in a barn. Chances are it wasn't a barn. Chances are it was actually somebody's home. But the way we understand these words is a little different, so sometimes we get a little unsure. But truth is, it doesn't really matter. The reality is, is that there is a son that's born. That's the important part. And then it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths 
and lying in a manger. So as the story goes, Joseph and Mary, Joseph's not living in his hometown. He's not living where he should be. He has to travel because there's a census. They go to travel along the way because Mary is very, very pregnant. It's time to give birth. They don't have the luxury of going to a hospital. They don't have the luxury of having a midwife. They're just, they have to get somewhere. Typical Middle Eastern hospitality in that world at that time is if you show up at somebody's door and say, hey, can I come in? I need somewhere to stay. They would say, yes. Now, the reality is of that world is that likely there was a lot of people traveling because of this census, and people didn't have as much space in their homes. So Mary and Joseph are faced with this reality that where normally someone would say, yeah, come on in, we got an extra room upstairs. They're saying, no, we don't. But we do have this other space. And they come into this other space, and she gives birth to a child. And it's not luxurious. It's not what anyone probably would have imagined. But it is what it is. And at the same time, as this is all going on, out in a field there are shepherds, people who are taking care of sheep. And sometimes we glamorize their role or we see them as cute little children, but chances are they're pretty rough individuals. Chances are they're people who've been outside for a very, very long time and don't smell so great. They're probably people who were a little bit tough because they would have to be able to fight off other animals that were trying to kill the sheep. There are also people who wouldn't be part of everyday society. The reality that they would be around all the muck and debris and disgustingness that sheep like to produce, as well as dead creatures at times, would have made them unclean to be around other people. So there would be a disconnect from them and the rest of society. While they'd have a very important job, they would be shepherds, and people needed sheep, they wouldn't be looked upon well. Yet as they're taking care of their sheep, as they're, you know, we can imagine it, they're maybe they're on a hillside and the sheep are sleeping, in the sky, angels appear. And naturally they're afraid, because that's not what you expect to happen. But they see the angel, and the angels speak to them, and they say that there is good news for them. That today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There's this good news that will bring great joy. That in this town, in this place, the Anointed One, the Messiah, is born. Now, a bit of backstory for these shepherds and for everybody living at that time. They were waiting for this Messiah. They had an understanding that things were not so good. They had an understanding that people like Caesar Augustus, who was oppressive to them, weren't right. That that's not the way of God. That living in the world that they lived in, where they couldn't uh, maybe even live in their family homes anymore, was not the way things were supposed to be. That there was oppression and injustice and suffering. And that things should be better. And if you trace through the story of the Old Testament, you see it over and over again where people are oppressed and God rescues them. This was God's rescue plan. 
that the Messiah would be born, the one they've waited for, to really make those wrongs right. And they're told to shepherds that you're going to find this Messiah. And this Messiah, the one that everybody's been waiting for, is going to be in a feeding tray, wrapped in cloths. Pretty humble, pretty simple. Then it says, Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared in the angel praising with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom its favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now these shepherds understood and were clear that this was God speaking to them in this moment. That they were to go and see the thing they heard about. Not just to be like, okay, that's satisfying. We saw the angel. But let's see this child that we're waiting for. Let's see this one who we're told is the anointed one, the Messiah. They're prompted by this angel. This angel visits them. These people who were outcasts, these people who were not regularly accepted within their societal context. And they're told, you're going to get a front row seat to the baby that changes everything. I don't know how many of you have been around like new newborns, like other than your own child, but they're scary. I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine, uh, they used to come here, uh, they had a baby. It was around this time of year. And uh, he texted me, he said, hey, she's in labor, we're going to the hospital. And I said, that's great, let me know how things go. A couple hours later, which was very fast, he said, come to the hospital. I was like, oh no, this is bad. That's my first thought. But they had just had Nico, their, their son. And right away I get into the room and they're, they're happy, they're joyful, like what I believe joy is. And they hand me the baby, a few hours old. I didn't want to hold my own baby because I thought I'd drop him. They're so fragile and so little and so scary. Because you could really hurt them. These shepherds, these gruff, unaccepted people who were probably very, very unsanitary at this moment are invited to go see this tiny Savior with their rough hands and their stinky feet and their clothing that's probably covered in muck. They go to see the one everyone's been waiting for. I don't know if Mary would have been so exuberant to say, here, hold this Jesus. But either way, they got a front row seat to the Savior of the world. So they hurried off, verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. These outcasts, these shepherds, hear from an angel, go see this baby. So what do they do? Well, they go see the baby. What do they do after they see the baby? They tell everybody about the baby. 
Because they knew that what they were seeing, who they were seeing, was not just a regular baby. It was the one they've waited for. Like in that song we sang earlier, how many kings would step out of their thrones and step into the world? This is the king of the universe who steps down from his throne and steps into the world. This is the God who saves, who leaves up on high and comes near to us. If you read through the stories of old gods, of whether it's Roman mythology or Greek mythology, gods, when they come near, it's for selfish ambition. They do it to meet a girl or to hurt people. They don't do it out of selfless reasoning. Our God is different. Our God leaves the heavenly hosts and steps into a feeding tray in Jesus. In humble, simple, ordinary spaces, our God enters into them and is the Savior of the world. As Paul said, at just the right time, or but when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that they might receive adoption to sonship. Jesus came and stepped into this world, not just to be glorified as this baby in this unique circumstance, but to redeem us, to make wrongs right, to give us opportunity for forgiveness to restore us. This tiny, helpless baby, born of these traveling parents who were not where they were supposed to be, in a world that was not the way it was supposed to be, was the savior of that world. It was our savior. And these shepherds had a front row seat to be some of the first people to meet the savior. And what do they do when they meet the Savior? They tell everyone about him. Sometimes we have this reality where maybe this baby we celebrate at Christmas is so familiar, we don't tell anybody about him. We keep our private celebrations, we, we appreciate them, and we say, well, this is who I know, Jesus. But we keep that good news that causes great joy for everyone to ourselves. These shepherds knew that this good news was a great joy for everyone. These shepherds knew that when the angel spoke to them that the child was the Savior, that that would change everything. And they couldn't be quiet about it. And when they met this child, they made sure everybody knew who he was. As Paul says, at just the right time, Jesus was born under the law to redeem us. At just the right time in that moment in history, Jesus came and stepped into this world. God comes in the flesh to change everything for us. But for some of us, we're so familiar with that story that we kind of forget what it really means. We're so familiar with it that we don't realize the impact it has had and should have in our life. 
We're so familiar with it that we don't act like the shepherds and we keep it private. We don't share who Jesus is and what it meant for you to meet him. For some of us this Christmas, when we desire to experience the goodness that God gives, when we desire to experience joy, we need to be reminded of what joy really is. And joy is a life of realizing your salvation. As Paul says, at just the right time, Jesus was born into the world to redeem us. We can experience joy because we know that to be true. We can experience joy because we know that that child that was born and we celebrate at Christmas was the man who died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins and the redemption of the world. We can experience joy in our circumstances because we can know that what we experience right now is temporary. And the God of eternity stepped into this temporary world to invite us to experience it. Whatever you are experiencing, you can experience joy in it because of who Jesus is. But sometimes it's hard to see that. And sometimes what we need to do is just see Jesus again, as if for the first time, to be reminded that baby is your Savior. For some of us, we don't know that. And we do need to see it for the first time. We do need to recognize that there's something not right and that God stepped into the world to correct that, to heal that, to bring hope in it. For some of us, we've been part of a church for so long or we've been a Christian for so long that we go, yeah, that's normal, that's everyday life, but maybe we need to see it again and be reminded of the joy of our salvation and be a little bit more like those shepherds who heard something, saw something, and had to say something. We're all in different places, going through different experiences, but one thing is common, that at just the right time, God stepped into the world as a baby, Not to stay as a baby, but to redeem all of humanity, including you and me. And at just the right time, he did that as a gift for us. And because of that, we can experience joy regardless of any circumstances we might find ourselves in. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the God who did step into our history that at just the right time, you felt it right to enter into a place as a person, as Jesus, and that we get to celebrate that truth in this Christmas season. That you stepped into the world to be born of a woman under the law to redeem us, to give us opportunity to heal our brokenness, to redeem our sorrow, and to help us to experience joy regardless of any circumstance we find ourselves in. A real joy 
that helps us see that what we experience now is temporary and you have something so much better for us and that we can experience it daily with you. I pray wherever we find ourselves that maybe we can see you, Jesus, for the first time or see you new and fresh again, whether we've seen you before. And to not be so familiar with our relationship with you that we can ignore you, but to know that you are with us. That Holy Spirit, you are with us always. That Jesus, as you said, that you would leave this earth, but you would not leave us alone. That the Holy Spirit is with us. God, we need your Spirit. We need to know how close you are. Wherever we find ourselves today, Lord, Meet us where we are. Remind us of the joy of our salvation. And provide us with the hope and peace we need for every day. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.